Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. All right, well, today I'd like to start off differently. I'd just like to read uh, some scripture and then we're going to start uh, looking into God's word today. Uh, before I do that, I'd like to just pray. Father, I just thank you as we look into your word that you help me. Uh, Lord, I acknowledge that I cannot do it without you, so I trust you, and in so doing, I give you all the praise and glory for everything uh, that I'm able to do uh, with your help. And so, Father, thank you for helping me communicate this in a clear way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So in John chapter 16 and verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And then verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world, notice the world there, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And so in these five verses, we could say that in these are building block truths. And when we say, what, what is a building block truth? Well, a building block truth is something you build into the foundation of your Christian walk, and you let that guide you, you act on it, or it guides you throughout your entire Christian walk. So these five verses are very rich, and we would never be able to look at all five verses in the short time that we have. But I'd like to focus in on John chapter 16 and verse 9 right now, and let's look at this one in focus. It says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And so with this, we want to think, well, who is Jesus talking to, and what is he talking about when he says concerning sin, because they do not believe in me? In me all right so this first of all when we say who this is referring to non-believers Th- this is referring to people that are in the world people that are not saved so we have to know that when he's talking about sin because they do not believe in me he's talking to the world in this particular he's still on the earth so the fact that he's still on the earth tells us uh, really clearly that he could not be talking to Christians because he still had not died So he's talking about a a day coming, and he's talking about after he goes and he dies, he's speaking to the world here. All right, so with this uh, knowing who the audience is then, uh, it's interesting to note here then, is he talking about a particular sin? Did he talk about a particular sin? Did he say, well, uh, murder? Murder is a serious thing. Did he talk about murder here? No. He, he did not say anything about a particular sin here. Uh, but what he did do is he says concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So this uh, reminds me of an example that, uh, and you guys heard me say this before, uh, but I'm going to just remind you uh, that when we were first became Christians, my family, uh, we all went to church one Sunday and my aunt from California came to visit us and she wouldn't come to our new church because we grew up denominational and she was very uncomfortable to come to our new church. So she stayed home with her mother, uh, my grandmother, uh, who would not also come to church. And uh, so 
we went to church and then we were all excited and we came home and we got around as the italians do around our table uh you know with all the family um i had five brothers so six of us brothers were there my mother and father my grandmother and aunt rose and uh you know i don't know if this is just flesh and i know all people groups do this but we you know somehow the conversation my aunt started to talk about some of the other relatives you know and we were just baby christians so my brother mike who is so different now he looked at my aunt and he said aunt rose we no longer talk about people we no longer do that and if you don't stop it you're going to hell <laughs> well my aunt's face you know and this is my aunt that she worked for walt disney i mean she per- knew, you know she knew walt disney personally she very accomplished lady you know and her face started you know to you know when you you see the mouth kind of like start move like you're crying you're ready to cry and so she got up and just went and ran into a a bathroom and then my grandmother her daughter she's merciful she follows her and she's you know uh, really not happy so what happened there well my my brother focused in on a particular sin and a specific sin you could say that it says not to murmur in the bible but he's talking to an unbeliever and he's pointing out one specific thing than an unbeliever who would be in the category of a sinner unbelievers would be considered sinners and he points out one specific thing and so when we look at this verse that jesus is talking about we we really want to see like who's he talking to and what is he really saying here and so uh and and by the way i just uh, in january i was with this aunt that i'm talking about she's still alive she's going toward 90 years old and then her older sister my oldest my my father's oldest sister she was there also in january and i was in california and she made uh dinner for me she's still at 80 something years old a wonderful italian cook and things are so much better between us but uh uh and she actually you know we have really refined ourselves in the way that we talk and uh i mean she talks about the lord now i mean it's it's wonderful but this happened early on and so uh just in the last so many weeks i i I can't say why but it's been so much on my heart to speak to our church about how we communicate outside the church uh and so i i'd like to go look at these verses one more time and we want to start getting into this so if you go to john 16 and verse 8 it says when he comes he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment and then look at this concerning sin because we do not believe in him and so here's the first thing that we can see here that the holy spirit convicts the sinner to believe in jesus not of individual sins or or specific sin the first thing the holy spirit will do is convict an unsaved person to believe in jesus that the verse says it really clear there concerning sin because they do not believe in me so it's important to know that especially during these times that we you know during the lockdown so many people have spent time with a lot of time with people that they did not normally have the opportunity to spend time with and i think the reason that the lord has been directing me in these ways is because it's such an opportunity to see people come into the kingdom of god but we really need to understand like 
who are we talking to and what what uh what's the most important thing here so he says concerning sin why because you did a specific thing no because they do not believe in me so in my aunt's case it was uh, you know which in today's world we would consider not so bad like but although the bible talks about not murmuring but she just simply was murmuring about relatives you know and by pointing to her with that one specific thing it did not reveal jesus to her jesus was not revealed when jesus is not revealed everything goes into the fleshly realm and we can argue and we can fight and never have uh, agreement on things so we could say this we could have the right gospel with the wrong application like how do you apply the gospel so you can have the right gospel but the wrong application so the lord just gave me a few illustrations real simple if an ocean liner is sinking and you know i you see that photo and it's like i hope anyone isn't uncomfortable to see a photo like that but if an ocean liner is sinking it's like that that's kind of scary um does the crew run up to the third level because there is a broken doorknob and they fix the broken doorknob while the ship is sinking well how ridiculous that would be but when we point to when we speak to unbelievers they're broken in a much bigger way and so when we point to a specific thing that they're doing i mean we got to save the ship (laughs) you shape you save the ship first and then you can fix the doorknob later and so this is what uh we we want to make sure we understand so if an airplane is rapidly descending on the way to crashing and you see this other photo that i have in an airplane rapidly descending with the engine on fire does somebody ring their bell and i i do a lot of flying and say my my tv screen isn't working can you can you reboot the video i can't watch a movie (laughs) how ridiculous that would be to, to think i want my tv screen to work while the plane's going down let's save the plane first let's stop the plane from crashing so this is what we uh the best way to describe what we're talking about that god first wants to fix us from sinking to eternal death that's the first thing that he wants to do so based on what we're saying i'm just calling this today it works best this way it works and what am i talking i'm talking about the gospel it works best this way so here's some scriptures to lay out the plan and uh before we even look at those i I was thinking you know some of us have been around and even people that like to look into church history in the 18th and 19th century there was a wonderful man named jonathan edwards he was like an evangelist and he was very well known that he preached this message called sinners in the hands of an angry god (laughs) and so when we look at these scriptures we're going to see you might think well you say it works best this way but you're talking about now jonathan edwards who had a message very well known sinners in the hands of an angry god like isn't that a little bit of contrast there well i was i've been thinking about that too because here here's what i i feel like we need to realize it was in a different era it was with a man with a specific calling it was done in a public auditorium it was a very well crafted message to a group of people it wasn't one-on-one pointing to one 
like talking to one person about one specific thing. And so people ran to get saved during that era with that particular man. So I'm very aware of that. But then I want to look, I'm talking about us when we're in close quarters, people that we work with, people that we live with, people that we even might run into. We're talking one-on-one to them. We, we're, we're probably not going to be able to be a Jonathan Edwards on a one-to-one conversation. It's different. You don't, you're not in an auditorium packed out with people uh, that came to hear the man uh, with a very well-crafted message. So look at this, the scriptures, and you'll see what I'm saying here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then I would like you to look at this verse in Romans 2, 4, and this is even one that makes it real clear. Or is it that you think slightingly of his uh, infinite goodness, forbearance, and patience, unaware that the goodness of God is gently drawing you to repentance? Okay, and so what we see here is God has a plan, and the way that God designed his plan is his goodness, his kindness and forbearance. This is how it works best most of the time, especially one-on-one. It works best when we allow God's kindness. When we, when we're, when we present Jesus Christ and make sure people understand that he's a good and kind Savior, it begins to draw people to repentance or what we would call change. So probably a big idea what we want to share today is God chose goodness to lead sinners to change. I guess we could have called the the message that too, but it's our big idea. God chose goodness to lead sinners to change. So when we speak one-on-one, when we speak in close quarters, people that we work with, uh, when they're so much different than we are, and they're talking about things that we totally see differently, and we see it even as sin, if we point that out to them, we're not revealing Jesus to them. And so I I believe the Lord is having us look into this because I think we could lead more people uh, into salvation if we really understand this. So we could say that, you know, we shouldn't think that we're, we have a better plan than he does. Who, who are we to think that? So he doesn't condemn sinners. He doesn't, he's not angry with them. And he doesn't turn his back on them. And I, I would understand in even working conditions, when you work with somebody that's so different than you, that you could be tempted to turn your back on them after a while when they keep plowing into you. Um, I, I know I've told the story uh, before my brother Joe, before he became refined, before his mind was renewed <laughs> and he had the fruits of the Spirit flowing out of him. I told you how my brother John was picking on him because he was a Christian. Of course, we're living with, you know, in a house with uh, six boys in the house. And my brother John, he was actually picking on him, calling him prayer tongue because he, t- he, my brother Joe, this is some, you know, before you tell an unbeliever that you, you speak in tongues, you know, they, they can't relate to it. It's a spiritual thing. And, you know, there's no understanding there. So my brother told our family, he said, I, I'm filled with the Spirit and I speak in tongues. I, I, and he, my brother said, I have a prayer tongue. And so 
my brother John, when he heard that, he started to go, Pertang, Pertang, Pertang. And it was like real annoying all the time, just all the, just, so I, I told the story how we had company one during Christmas time, and I saw a flash going across our living room from the kitchen, then I heard a big boom, and my brother Joe was on top of my brother John just punching him. And, and I, you've heard the story, I said, Joe, like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? He said, Christian anger. He said, I'm fed up with people persecuting me, this is what's going to happen from here on in. People persecute me. My brother Joe was a big tough guy too. But he didn't, he, my brother John was the last one that he beat up uh, out of Christian anger. <laughs> but so when you work in close quarters, when you live in close quarters and people are different and they persecute you and they say things to you, it could be so easy to get angry. It could be so easy to try to get our point across. But here's what we want to look at today. It's a big thing that we, we, how can we, we reveal Jesus to them? How can we do that? Because, like, arguing with them, we're in this environment today, people want to argue about politics and all, all these various things, but it's not going to save anyone. If you convince somebody to be conservative that's not conservative, it, they, they still have to get saved. And so, like, you know, save the ship, and then we, other things can happen later, Okay. So, um, that said, here's a, a wonderful story, and I can't think of a better story to show us what we're talking about here in Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, and when he had finished speaking, this is uh, talking about um, Jesus, he said to Simon, who became Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled their boats, they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. And I was just thinking, even for a business person, when you read this, this is not what we want to, but it's just, I was thinking, you know, just the one word from God can turn a business around. <laughs> you know, just like one word from the Holy Spirit to do something different can turn a business around. That's just something that's not really what we're talking about, but it just is there. But looking at this, what did Jesus just do? He demonstrated kindness he demonstrated goodness to these guys, and he worked a miracle. Now, they were sinners, and they weren't saved. And, you know, there's, I, I grew up with this saying, like, about sailors, you know, that, you, you know, if somebody cussed a lot, and I, I was a tradie, and I worked in a machine shop, so you would say, that guy cusses like a sailor, you know, or swears like a sailor. So I don't know if, if people that go out to sea cuss a lot. I'm sure there's Christians that go out to sea, and they... But I grew up with that saying. So these guys are like fishermen. They could be really rough and they could be really tough. And Jesus probably being around them, he could have pointed out, he could have pointed out a lot of things like, boy, like clean up your language. You know, you, you know stop telling those dirty jokes, you know. He could have done that. But, but what, what's he do? Like, you know, 
their, their business may have not been doing very well. And he could have said, you know, the reason your business isn't doing well is because you're rank sinners, you're big cussers, and you're telling filthy jokes, and that's why you're going, your business is going down. You know, he could have done that. And so when we talk to sinners that way, we're not revealing Jesus to them. Okay, so what's he do? He works a miracle that demonstrated goodness and kindness. Okay, and so this, look at then what happens in Luke chapter 5 and verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus didn't tell him he was sinful. He worked a miracle. He demonstrated goodness and kindness, and he didn't point out something specific to him. But he was, I'm sure the presence of God may have been there. I mean, we, we don't have it in writing, but you know, when a miracle's worked, I've been around, uh, and I know that when, uh, when we pray for people and lay hands on them, you can sense God's presence. When there's, when there's miracle-working power, you sense it. So there, it's possible that the power of God was just there. I, we don't know that, but we do know one thing. Jesus miraculously demonstrated goodness and kindness to them. Peter falls down on his knees, and he identifies, I'm a sinner. When Jesus is revealed, a lot of things happen. Deep down on the inside of us, we can identify where we are, who we are. Uh, Peter identified, I'm a sinner. And he didn't even think he should be in the presence of Jesus. And we know how it turns out. Jesus didn't say, you're right, man. Get out of here. Get... I'll talk like a New Yorker. Get out of here. Get out of my, get out of my presence, you, you rank sinner. <laughs> Little New Jersey there. That's, I, think it, I think it's New Jersey, not New York. Okay. But he didn't do that. Okay. So let's go back and, and, and look at this verse again. John 16 and 9. It says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me and so when he says that i'm going to go and the holy spirit's going to come and when the holy spirit comes he's going to do this he's going to uh he's going to convict the world and he's going to do sin and we don't have time to talk about the other three today but the sin wasn't a specific thing it was because they do not believe in me so if we summarize what we're talking about here's what we could say jesus made it clear that the Holy Spirit would convict or convince the world of sin. Now, for the Jews, the law previously convicted people of sin, and there was a major difference here because the law actually honed in or focused in on a specific sin. That's what the law did, okay? A specific act of sin. But now here, the gospel, we're getting ready for something new and the gospel on the other hand points to jesus and he is the cure for the sin the sin like with our 20 people everyone say the sin and and what is the sin well it's uh 
the sin is the fact that we have a sin like the human race had a sin nature problem and jesus came and the gospel is about the sin and that's the sin nature okay so we could say that today the holy spirit works with the gospel message all right and so i have this phrase and this phrase came is the holy spirit doesn't work with guilt or condemnation and so however or we could say alternatively the devil will use it to magnify sin to the people we're trying to reach and so what i mean by well if you point to people and just keep getting on them about how they're missing it and what they're doing wrong and this is un but if you do it to believers it doesn't help either but we're we're talking about even to bring people into the kingdom if you focus in on a specific sin it just brings guilt and condemnation and then the devil will like where you leave off he picks up and then he'll use that and make them feel hopeless and jesus when you preach the gospel it doesn't make people feel hopeless it brings great hope that everyone can be saved and, and he's he forgives us so um we could say this that the only way to be forgiven and i mean jesus said this he said i'm the way the truth and the life the only way to be forgiven of our sins is to believe in jesus but the only way to believe in him is he needs to be revealed and if he's not revealed if if it's guilt condemnation and pointing to specific people what they're specifically doing wrong uh we're not revealing jesus to them it removes us from any influence and, and we're not really so much the ones that influence but the holy spirit works with the good news message the gospel and and when the holy spirit's able to work it works deeply on the inside of people we saw that with peter uh, he identified i'm a sinner and i need a savior that's what happens when people see jesus okay so um another example i thought of is like when jesus was on the cross you know and he's there with somebody on either side so the man on one side you know he said remember me lord when you come into your kingdom now so jesus said yeah right i'll do new, new jersey again yeah right let's talk about the sin to put you on that cross you know he didn't do that you know he didn't say let's talk about like you're on the cross buddy you know what what put you on that cross let's focus in on no jesus says today we'll be in paradise together because that man just said lord remember me okay so you you see what we're saying here um we could say uh <clears throat> well I'm, I'm, i don't want to get ahead of myself i like to talk like let's go here next I just want to like bring up some things here about how we can apply what we're talking about so I guess we could say that if you use love correctly if you preach the gospel correctly here's just some real practical things number one it doesn't condemn people so I, I looked up the word condemn and condemn means to express complete disapproval of censure which I believe means correct or uh, sentence someone to a particular punishment especially death so that was the definition i came up with so first of all 
if we really preach the gospel, it's not going to condemn people. It's not going to, exp- it's not going to express complete disapproval of. So people that we live in close quarters with, people that we um, work in close quarters with, and they're so different than us. And, and, you know, and if we don't watch it, we can get into self-righteousness and the way that we talk to them condemns them, and it's just showing us our complete disapproval for them. But the thing is, the Bible says that Jesus came and he died for us while we were still sinners. So God is so opposite. The love of God died for those people that can rub us the wrong way to the degree we want to fight and argue with them and tell them how much we disapprove of them and jesus died for that very group of people we're not preaching the gospel to them we're condemning them the next thing uh it if we use it the right way the gospel it doesn't guilt people now you might think well isn't guilt and condemnation the same thing well i looked at the definition in guilt that that definition is the fact of having committed a specific or implied offense or crime so it's a little different so you just keep pointing at some like you're you're smoking marijuana you're smoking marijuana you're going to hell you're smoking marijuana you're going to hell you're, jesus is not being revealed <laughs> they, they, they won't you want to see change there but that's not going to bring change now you know as i said i i, I we grew up originally I, I had six brothers seven boys and uh you know give you an idea my father was about this tall so you know some of us got bigger and well we thought we were stronger but we found out at times we weren't (laughs) but you know here's this little guy with these big guys all around and we're not christians and so when we did something wrong i mean he actually thought he could beat it out of us so one day uh you know he worked midnight turns so he would sleep during the day and my mother had seven boys you know to deal with during the day so my brother joe called my mother the b word one day he called her the bi you know that word and so she said when your father gets up on telling him so my father got up and she says your son joe you know notice how parents are it's like your son joe because he's at this moment he's not my son (laughs) he called me the b word and my father said what and anyway he just turns and he goes like he's he was like a he was like lightning and it was like and my brother goes down and he's just like boom right on the face with his fist saying don't you ever you know like yell when he yelled it was scary so after he does it he says now what's your mother and this i'm just proving a point here that you think you're going to change somebody by force he said now what's your mother and my brother joe was so rebellious he said the b word again he said she is a b you know and my father did another round but you you understand like we think we're going to change somebody by striving and fighting with them and trying and even physical force but really only only jesus only god getting on the inside is what really changes us so it, it never helped okay the next thing that um if we use the gospel correctly as i said it doesn't point to one specific sin let's remember we saved the ship the next thing if we use it correctly it doesn't give up on people and we know that supernatural love doesn't give up love endures long uh, another thing is uh is, if we use it correctly it um we shouldn't be angry 
the gospel isn't an angry message. So there's a lot of anger out there in this present environment. There's a lot of arguing out there in this present environment. But if we give into it, we're not going to get people saved. The gospel is a good message. And the gospel, the main thing we want to do is reveal Jesus. Okay, so I, I was in California, as I told you. My brother Joe and his wife Gina were out in California, and he was with my aunt who used to work for Walt Disney and my older aunt, too. And my older aunt has a son named Anthony. We, we were, you know, cousins growing up together. He's like a, two years younger than me, so, but we're really the same age. So we're there, and it's just my brother Joe and Gina, me, both of my aunts, that's five, and my, my cousin Anthony, the two Anthonys are there. That's only six people. And my aunt cooked this wonderful Italian meal. But my, my cousin, Anthony, who lives in California, he wanted to talk politics with me. So I know that my, both of my aunts, are, they've really made a lot of progress. And I'm thinking, if we start talking politics, everything can go sour here. So I, I, so, you know, I, I thought, well, you really want to talk this? I said, I, I know that we see things totally different, like we're on polar opposites. So I said, the only way that we can do this is like, you're my cousin, my first cousin. We've always loved each other. If you want to talk this, I'll always love you after, and I trust you'll always love me after. You know, so, so we talked it, and we stayed civil. And, you know, when we, at the end of the night, when we said goodbye to one another, we hugged each other like cousins, you know, Italian cousins do, little, um, you know, like physical hug there. And I said, I always will love you. And he said, I always will love you because, I mean, we don't see each other. I live on the other side of the world. And so in that particular case, we didn't get angry. And I, I, like, I made sure I acted like Jesus would. Okay, so it's really important. Don't talk it if you can't walk it. And I'm talking about the Christian walk. Okay? Look at Titus. We'll finish up here. Titus 3 and verse 3. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Now, some of you got saved at such a young age, you might not relate to a lot of that, but I can relate to most of it. I got saved when I was 23, and I was uh, going to the pubs and out there, and, and uh, I can relate that that's, I was like that. But I love verse number four. It says, but when, and here's what we're talking about today, when the angry, mad gospel of an angry God came to me. No, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. When that happened, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. When He washes us and regenerates us, He gets to places deep within us. Deep. Our spirits are reborn, and He gets into us in such a deep way and makes us clean. We could say we get clean at the core. He deals with the sin problem. Okay, and so then at verse 6 it says, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So I just have uh, two more phrases that 
I, I wanted to share. And then Marissa's going to come up and give you, uh, she's, there's an invitation for you if you're watching us today and you do not know Jesus Christ. But here's what uh, we want to finish up on today. People do not have to clean themselves up in order to believe in Jesus. He cleans them up after we believe. Or he cleans us up after we believe. So sometimes we make the mistake. We think we have to clean up our children. We think we have to clean up our brothers and sisters, our friends. We think we clean them up, and then they'll get saved. It's completely opposite. We reveal Jesus Christ to them, and then he'll clean them up after. And then this one last thought. Everyone is invited to come as they are and to freely receive of the wells of salvation. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.